Hello, welcome back to Making Sense of Money, a podcast dedicated to making financial topics easier to understand. I'm Andrea Pellegrini. And I'm Nikki Jankola Shanks. Last episode, we talked about gross national happiness as part of our economic indicator series. If you're curious about this topic, be sure to check out our last episode or go look into the world happiness reports that the United Nations releases each year. And I'm Jake Hamilton. This week, we're going to be covering another very common economic indicator and one that's been very important in relation to the pandemic, um, and that is employment or the lack thereof, unemployment. So let's dive in and talk about what these two things are. Uh, It might be easiest to first define unemployment, since that is likely the term that you'll hear most often in your day-to-day lives. Um, So according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which tracks unemployment, persons are classified as unemployed if they do not have a job, have actively looked for work in the prior four weeks, and are currently available for work. Uh, persons who were not working and were waiting to be recalled to a job from which they had been temporarily temporarily laid off are also included as unemployed. And so employment is uh, simply the opposite of that. Uh, it's the amount of people who are actively in the workforce who are employed and were able to find work. And we want to say, too, that you know there have been arguments that there are some aspects of the employment spectrum that aren't captured with either unemployment or employment rates since people can be, you know, they can be underemployed due to varying degrees, meaning that they might be working in fields that don't utilize their education experiences or skills, or they might be forced to work part-time due to limited opportunities or even multiple part-time jobs. We'll go into this a little bit further into how the Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks this uh, a little bit later on the podcast, but we just wanted to stipulate up front that um, employment is a little bit of a spectrum, obviously. Um, you know, it can range from full-time employment all the way to part-time to unemployed um, and lots of things in between. So there are different types of unemployment as well. And I'll briefly, I'll very briefly cover the four main types that the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks. So there is frictional unemployment, which happens when people are between jobs, but expect to find work. For example, someone leaving their current job for a better job, or like if they are unemployed between, like they might already have a job offer, but they might not work for two or three weeks between those jobs. Or it might be like a graduate looking for their first job. These people are expecting to find work. There's also cyclical unemployment, which is the type of employment that is due to ups and downs in the economic cycle. There is structural unemployment, which is brought about by structural changes in technology or the economy. So like a good example of this is that at the turn of the 20th century, back in 1900, about half of the United States worked as farmers. But as we entered the Industrial Revolution and all these technology changes, you know, the amount of people who were farmers declined rapidly. A lot of people lost their farming jobs because as we mechanized and technology grew, we didn't need as many farmers. And there's also institutional unemployment, uh, which is caused by institutional factors in the economy like government regulations, government policy, or discrimination by employers. So those are the, very briefly, the four, the four types of employment, unemployment that, that we talk about. Um, and as an economic indicator, unemployment tells us a few things about the economy. Typically, when the unemployment level is high, it can signal that the economy is not doing well and economic output is deflated. There is less demand and employers aren't hiring, so it's difficult for people to find work. On the other hand, 
An unemployment rate that is very low signals an economy that is producing and outputting at a high rate. It's easier for people to find work because there is a strong demand and employers need labor to meet that demand. However, it can also signal that the economy is overheating, so to speak, or close to its maximum output. As we talked about previously uh, on our inflation episode, an economy that is too hot can lead to inflation. And also shocks to a strong economy can typically lead to a recession like we saw in 2008 and, and other times throughout history. Let's talk a little bit more about that scenario where the economy has very low levels of unemployment. Um, some of our listeners may have heard the term full employment before, so we want to kind of explain what that means. So you might guess that full employment is when everyone who wants a job has a job, but that's not quite it exactly. That's not exactly what full employment means. Economists have defined full employment as a situation where there is no cyclical employment, meaning employers can find employees that want to work. They can fill all their positions. It's important to know that there is still some level of unemployment in those situations, though. People are always going to be shuffling around from one job to another, or there might be structural factors that lead to higher unemployment among a certain type of worker, for example, like coal workers. It's also important to know that there isn't just one set level of full employment. It can change over time. The level of full employment is based on a variety of other economic factors. But economists have studied this for a long time and there is no one number that equals full employment. So basically, it's complicated, as is all economic indicators that we've discussed so far. So in the United, what? Sorry, I was just, I was just going to say, which is why when people discuss the unemployment rate, I feel like once a month, the jobs numbers, unemployment rates, you know, they're released. And there's, there's a lot of really quick hot takes on, on all of them. Um, some of them may be completely right, but there's just a lot to unpack with, with all of what, what, what does this unemployment rate actually mean? Yeah. And it's just a small snippet that we usually see in a headline or a tweet sometimes, and it doesn't give a full picture uh, and leaves people out or um, it just makes it hard to understand sometimes. So in the United States, the Federal Reserve Bank plays kind of this dual role regarding the economy and kind of unemployment. So as we discussed in our inflation episode, the Federal Reserve tries to keep inflation in check, tries to monitor that and kind of control that as best it can. The other goal that the Federal Reserve has is promoting full employment. And those two things together are called the Federal Reserve's dual mandate. Essentially, the Federal Reserve monitors the United States economy and tries to make sure that we have conditions for maximum employment while also keeping things in check so that we don't experience high levels of inflation. Seems like a very challenging balancing act. Yeah, it's uh, it's like a tightrope that they're walking. You know, they, you know, we talked about on the inflation episode that Federal Reserve has, you know, these different tools that they can utilize and kind of levers that they can pull, so to speak, to to do different things to the economy. But they want to make sure that whatever they do decide to do, like policy-wise, doesn't have long-lasting bad implications. For example, like 
leading to high levels of inflation or like very low levels of employment. Makes sense. All right, so now that we've talked a little bit about what employment slash unemployment is and, and some key terms associated with that, let's talk about how it's actually measured and who tracks all of this information. As I mentioned, we know that once a month there's percentages given out, but where, where, does, where does this come from? So the Bureau of Labor Statistics, BLS, is the government agency that is tasked with tracking these things, along with tons of other information about the economy. Listeners might remember that the BLS also tracks information and consumer behaviors about inflation as well on, on our inflation podcast. So the BLS has six different measures for unemployment. We're not going to cover them all today. We're going to focus on just two of them. The measures are labeled from U1 to U6. So there's six indicators, unemployment, U, U1 to U6. So today we're going to focus on U3 and U6. U3 is what is commonly referred to as the unemployment rate. And this is the measure that economists and politicians typically refer to when they're talking about unemployment. So those numbers that I'm talking about once a month when they give you a percentage. That is calculated by taking the amount of people who are unemployed and dividing that number by the amount of people in the workforce. It's just the basic measure of unemployment. U6 is another way to measure unemployment and it is commonly called the quote, real unemployment rate. This measure also includes people who were previously looking for work but stopped because they were discouraged and people who work part-time but would otherwise work a full-time job if they were able to. So um, I'm just gonna, for example, when you think of uh, the Great Recession in 2008, there was lots of people without jobs and a lot of people had multiple part-time jobs. They wanted a full-time job, but they had to instead work three part-time jobs. So um, the U6 is generally the most comprehensive measure that the BLS tracks. And that's why it's called the quote, real unemployment rate. rate. It brings in people who might not be included in that U3, the basic unemployment rate as well. Yeah, that's uh, great to point out, Nikki. And kind of like we said up top, you know, employment is a little bit of, an, of a spectrum. Like, you know, it's not like you flip a switch and you go from unemployed to fully employed always. Like that doesn't always work for everyone. Sometimes people are working part-time and yet now, especially um, there's a lot of people who work in the quote gig economy um, where they're working kind of gig jobs and like here to here and the work isn't consistent. Um, so that U6 measure really incorporates, it gives you a much better idea of the amount of people who are unemployed, but also people who aren't working as much as they would like to, or like aren't in full-time jobs, even though they would prefer to be in a full-time job. And speaking of the gig economy and more recent labor news, as everyone is aware, uh, the pandemic has had a huge effect on our labor markets and on employment and unemployment rates. So early in April, 2020, when the pandemic set in, the basic unemployment rate, U3, spiked to as high as 14.7%, uh, and the U6 measure was over 22%. Uh, 
Um, so for some context, the 2008 Great Recession, uh, during that period, the unemployment rate peaked at 10%. So we were much higher than that. Um, was that unemployment rate from the 2008 Great Recession a U3 or U6 metric? That was know? the U3 metric. Okay, okay. So it wasn't even comprehensive of all the underemployed population. Yeah, yeah. So if you're if you comparing um, measure to measure, so the one that I pulled from 2008 was 10% for U3 and the peak during the pandemic was 14.7% for the U3 measure as well, which is still, that's a very big it's gap when you're yeah. looking at <laughs> unemployment rates throughout history. You don't, uh, I mean, our current unemployment rate is, is under 4%. So um, four percentage points is a very big swing in the labor market. So, however, uh, the good news for everyone was that our spike in unemployment during the beginning of the pandemic was relatively short-lived. By the end of 2020, unemployment had dropped back down to under 7%, and now it is approaching pre-pandemic levels, and some economists believe that we may be approaching full employment, um, like Andrea talked about earlier. Thank you, Jake. I think that's really great news, especially for how tumultuous the last past couple of years have been generally for all consumers. So as we've all seen, widespread unemployment has drastic effects on the economy and people's individual livelihoods. When things like this happen, governments will tend to step in and try to ease the harm caused by uh, the economic recession to individual people. So during this pandemic so far, the government has passed multiple rounds of economic stimulus and expanded some of our existing unemployment insurance program to make sure people were able to get by while they couldn't work due to consequences of the pandemic, especially early in the pandemic. And I, I do wanna say that there are still some people suffering though um, from those initial impacts of, of the pandemic starting. And I don't want to diminish the fact that there are still ongoing impacts of pandemic-induced unemployment, but that there's been a lot of steps that have been taken definitely have helped a lot of people, the ones that have been taken so far. So yes, lots of lots of different help um, packages came out from both, like I think the Illinois side and federal side, of course. So but um like Jake mentioned, our, thankfully, our current labor market has been pretty good for people who are looking for jobs. Unemployment is under 4% again, and many people are leaving their jobs for new jobs, not like just, yeah, well, we'll get into this. <laughs> um, economic Economists have been calling this period the, quote, great resignation, we could do an entire separate podcast on this topic that right now I feel like we're still in the beginning of what the great resignation means and the indicators. So um, it's definitely being studied. But basically, in contrast to the beginning of the pandemic, there is actually a labor shortage currently. And employers are struggling to find people to fill open jobs. There are a lot of factors that have gone into this job climate. According to 
Harvard labor economist Larry Katz, many people are quitting their jobs, whether that's to retire early, find a new job, or just take a break from working for a while. Um, you may know, I actually do happen to know um, some people in my family were close to retirement and they were like, well, I could swing now retiring a year or two early rather than dealing with, you know, going back and forth and whatever may happen. Um, and according to the BLS, the U.S. quit rate hit an all-time high of 2.9% in August of 2021. That, that's, sorry, that just still blows my mind a little bit. But anyway, um, there is also a high amount of frictional unemployment with people switching jobs to get a better wage or better benefits. So that, as a reminder, that's what Jake talked about earlier, where it could be people are quitting and then taking a, their new job may not start for two or three more weeks, but they're, they're leaving their old job for the new job. We may also be in a period of restructuring the labor market where employers have less power and employees have more power to negotiate things like wage and where they work. Um, example, a lot of people don't want to go back into the office or go back to work in restaurants and bars, right? So because employers right now are searching for people to fill their open jobs. It kind of gives employees more negotiating power about working from home as one example. There's lots. And I think what's fascinating to me about the Great Resignation, and I, I, I think it'll be very interesting to see in the years to come, is how much this shifts with the power between the employers and the employees. And also if there's any real structural changes that, that happen because of that shift. And it might even be like industry specific where you see the most amount of power dynamic shifts um, when it comes to the employment process. And I think that'll, that will definitely be interesting. For those of you that don't know, my master's is in human resource development. So like, just the great resignation is very interesting from a human capital management perspective. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things to pay attention to. And, you know, Nikki, like you said, uh, people are quitting or moving on from their jobs for like a variety of different reasons. And like that, like that piece from the Harvard Business Review said, like uh, frictional or the quit rate is like 2.9%. And we have, we currently have an an unemployment rate that's 4.7%. If you think about it in that terms, like almost half of the current unemployment in our economy is frictional, um, meaning that people are just in between jobs or like switching jobs or going to one another. So the, there's like a very, very low amount of people who are looking for work and can't actively find it right now, which puts puts workers in a, in a pretty envious position when, uh, when employers, when there's that low unemployment, employers are still looking for people to work. Yeah, and I, I do think for me, and this is probably very timely for me because my child is starting a full-time daycare next week, but I find it very interesting too that there, there's a lot being talked about. And like I said, we could do an entire episode just mm -hmm. on what we, the little bit of what we know about the great resignation right now. Um, but women are not returning to work, back to work at the same rates as men are. And looking at that. And a lot of it has to do with not all of it, but a lot of it does have to do with the cost of childcare that people are like, well, it's cheaper. We, 
we never thought that we could make this work on one salary, but we did for the last year. So maybe we should just keep doing this. So it, it, there's lots of different, and that's what I'm talking about. I'm going to be very interested to see what type of shifts, what type of new government incentives or programs come out. I think it's a, it's a really interesting time with employment right now. Well, and the pandemic's given a lot of us time to realize what our priorities actually are and if they've shifted. And there might be less people that are focused on careers than there used to be. That's why I think it's going to be years before we really understand mm -hmm. what the, quote, great resignation is, why it happened, what contribute. I mean, you... you Yes, right now we could say we're living in it, right? So we all have opinions about why this is happening. But I think, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, when people look back at this time, it'll be very interesting to see what happened to see the shifts from a farther away from where we are right now. It's hard, you know, when you're studying something that you're also living through, it, it, you kind of muddle your own experiences and things in it, if that makes absolutely. sense. Absolutely, absolutely, Nikki. And we've had this very turbulent time in a very short couple of years or long for some of us. Time is, a, I'm, my perception. What time is time? It's <laughs> completely distorted now. Not that it was super great before, but it's definitely distorted now. But that turbulence we've noticed in the labor market and with people trying to navigate the labor market. Um, so there's a lot that can still change. It's currently changing. It's changed in a short amount of time. Um, and we don't really have anything to compare it to either within a similar kind of, uh, environment. So it's, I think that's interesting as well. So just to recap everything, unemployment is an economic indicator that tells us how many people are searching for work but don't currently have employment. And there are a lot of different ways to measure and discuss unemployment specifically. The current labor market has been more favorable to employees in kind of the aftermath of the beginning chaos of the pandemic um, that we're still currently living through. And it's certainly something to keep an eye on as the labor market and the economy continues to evolve and respond to the ongoing COVID pandemic. Yeah, that's a great point, Andrea. Uh, there's, like you said earlier, there's really not a lot of like recent history or like uh, historical precedent to compare this period that we're going through. It's kind of like a crazy phenomenon that we're coming out of like a recession, which we were just in during 2020 and 2021. And on the upswing of that, like the labor market is so hot and that's just really crazy conditions. And I think something that economists are going to be studying for a long time. So uh, when Making Sense of Money is the number one podcast in the world in five years, we'll have to do an updated, updated episode on this. So we, we promise the listeners that. But right now, uh, with high levels of inflation in the economy and low levels of unemployment, we're very likely going to see the Federal Reserve step in soon and try to smooth out some of these economic trends. You know, we talked about the Federal Reserve's dual mandate a little bit earlier on the on the episode. And this is what they're there for, kind of as one of as their role. They are they are there to try and smooth these things out so that we don't continue to have this 
this high amount of inflation and that if we are you know hitting the head of full employment that we um, maintain that but without the inflation part of it so um, it'll be interesting to see what the Federal Reserve announces as far as their next steps and what moves they're going to take to address these these economic trends but I will tell the listeners, if you want to learn more about unemployment generally, I would encourage you to go check out the Bureau of Labor Statistics website, the BLS website, which has a lot of great resources on the subject. Uh, and it even has an educational section where people can read more and find out more about all of this information. Thanks, Jake and Andrea. And thanks to the listeners for tuning in today. Um, we hope you join us next time when we talk about steps to home buying which is definitely an episode you won't want to miss. Um, the pandemic has also had uh, inter- interesting effects on that market as well. So uh, as always, be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And thanks for listening.